Well, I'm ready. Um, oh, I've been recording this whole time. Oh, yeah, I've been rolling this whole time. Oh, okay, too. perfect. No, we're good to go then. All right, so this is the B2B Happy Hour, uh, our opportunity to talk about anything we want film. Uh, as you might have noticed, and as Jacob kind of alluded to, Byron is not here. Um, past couple weeks have just been f- fucky. <laughs> so screwed, dude. Well, losing the content, I got sick. Byron got called into work, so in order to kind of keep up with our pace that we've set, you know, at least right. producing some content is going to be better than no content. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Yeah, um, we were going to do my birthday episode today, but uh, my birthday got delayed. Thanks, Byron. Yeah, your birthday is delayed. <laughs> and that is Jacob Fultz joining me today. Um, That's true. I am Keith. This is Jacob Foltz joining Keith today. Yeah. <laughs> Special guest. Um, Special guest. I love this concept, though. We should start with this Nolan thing, because I'm really, I'm actually, this is an interesting idea. Yeah, I love this. <clears throat> that uh, pretty much only exists in the Nolan world of things, because there's no, even Tarantino, I feel like, doesn't, this just does not exist. Yeah. I feel like, well, why don't you just explain what it is? Okay, so Christopher Nolan's movie gets a July 2020 release date, but there's literally no other information on it. It is untitled. We have no idea what it is. No, we only no. know that it's going to be released in IMAX. Right, which is kind of something you would assume at this point, uh, given yeah. the history of his movies. Like he He's a big IMAX advocate, so totally. um, even though he hasn't shot a movie entirely on IMAX, I feel like he could have, but he just hasn't. I, I don't. I'm guessing it's a budgetary thing. Um, well, it is, but he he's notorious for coming under budget. So, yeah, I don't know I why don't know. he just doesn't go all the way. He could. He could, he could and he should. I mean, there's no reason not to just go all the way because I don't know the switching between aspect ratios gets kind of weird. I don't. I don't like it unless it's a a choice. Right. Um, and I guess it is a choice here because it's. It's Nolan deciding to shoot an IMAX and then stay true to the whatever ratio that was shot on. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's like a nakedness to it that's really nice, but um, I much prefer like the um, Wes Anderson style of like, hey, like these ratios are like part of the story. You know, like this is like a different time or this is a different feel sort of a thing or like even like cropping your shot just to like like in Jackie or something just to like make it look um or first reformed uh just to, to you know to make it look a, a certain style i agree cuz like i mean for those who don't know i mean IMAX is generally like a, a pretty square it's, it's almost a, 1 to 1 it's a it's little almost bit one to one, it's yeah. like 1 to 1.1 to 1 or something um as opposed to the widescreen which is why like you know um, Dark Knight or whatever and Dark Knight Rises would switch well I think it was Dark Knight Rises would switch between like the cinema crop and then it would go to like you know essentially like a widescreen right it would, they wouldn't do square but they would they would do the IMAX kind of widescreen right where Dunkirk kind of did like I feel like the opposite of that yeah it was like mostly correctly. IMAX yeah yeah and same with interstellar like but there are scenes where it's like switching between the yeah the two oh, yeah, like back and forth yeah. yeah 
So you get this weird, like, okay, there's the black bars. There's not the black bars. There's the black bars again. Like, it just, and it doesn't, like you said, there's no choice for it. It's literally just like, well, they shot the scene that way. Right. Which I guess is a choice, but it's not like, it's not like a choice because of, like, time period or because of aesthetic or something. Right. It's just, for some reason, he just does that. <laughs> right. And I, I think what also would would bug me is the... Because I've seen all of his movies at the downtown Seattle IMAX, which which is which has a like square theater showing, Ooh, so you nice. can see like the whole thing. Um, and there's a significant drop in quality when it goes to just the regular like yes, um, yeah, wh- whatever it is, thirty six millimeter or, or whatever, thirty five millimeter, thirty five. Yeah, thank you. Um, so it's it is also like the shots that come after the IMAX shots are like uh, just like a lesser quality uh, not because of anything they're doing on the you know filmmaking end just like they just have less like technology going on in them you, you know yeah, totally. um, less size so it's I don't know it's it's one of those things where it's it is a weird um, thing but anyways <laughs> this is it's, what's so remarkable about Chris Nolan's mystery film is that all they have to do is say Chris Nolan has a film coming out and then and it makes the news and everyone spreads that shit you know what I mean it's crazy like it's It's already started marketing itself it's already working people are already like I feel like if tickets were on sale people would buy tickets already I would because I'm a fanboy of 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 his but um, I think it, it, it is just remarkable that he here's a filmmaker who has this reputation like he has enough of a following uh to um be able to just call out a date in the future and it's that's insane it is insane and it's reminiscent of um well like marvel so you know how like marvel announced like like 20 release dates Mm -hmm. um calling out like their you know every good date in the in the for the next like three five years or some shit um it, it, i think it's just the world we live in to compete with disney totally. you know i think that's just what it is and everyone's trying to find their way of like competing you know and totally trying to is. get those good dates well, because a, this is also warner brothers which is important to point out so it is a com- it is a competitor technically speaking a big yeah biggest uh biggest competitor mm-hmm. for sure and what's what's really odd about this is that we don't know where in the process they're at i mean this is 2020 like are they did they have a script are they still writing a script i mean it seems really early you know in the in the general process of things because you can get a full movie made in a year even a full-on, like, Nolan movie or whatever. Right. So, like, to announce and say, okay, we're going to shoot for 2020, July, what did I say, July 17, 2020. Right. But do it basically two years in advance. Less, like, less than. Well, yeah, a little less than two years. But, like, basically, they could basically just be draft one of a script right now and just saying right. we're going to release a Nolan movie. 
But the the other thing is Nolan is he's so secretive with his productions, you know? Like he he'll like print out a script and like if he wants to show it to an actor, he'll just like personally fly out to wherever that actor is yeah. and sit down in a room with no windows totally. and explain the script to the actor and make him sign a bunch of shit. You know what I mean? Totally, yeah. Um <clears throat> so for all we know, script is like finished and they already started shooting cuz he they they're just it's a we secret operation. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. We don't know. We have no clue where the project is. But to announce it this early and knowing sort of the general timeline of how long it takes to make a movie, it's like the, where they're announcing it in the process doesn't make... Like, there's a, They would never do this. You would have to have a finished product and saying, wow, this is worth marketing right. before someone actually says that they're going to release a movie. Right. Like, the vast majority, I mean... Literally everyone besides Nolan, so ninety nine percent of the industry, has to make a movie, or have a lot of people attached to it who know you'll know who can sell the movie before they announce when they're going to release the movie. I mean, even Tarantino starts to make a movie before they start to say, "Okay, we're going to release it in this time period." Like, right, right. Like, there's all these mechanisms that have to go into place before you announce when a movie is going to be released let alone just being able to make a movie. I mean, the vast majority of people just can't even get enough money right. together to make a movie. And then these guys are just saying, well, no one's making a movie. He's told, well, and what probably happened is they, he probably was like, yeah, I'm writing a script. And they're like, okay, we're going to say 2020. <laughs> and then they're, he's just like, I just told you, I'm he's just like, started writing. And they're like, well, 2020 is probably good though. You'll probably be done. And yeah, it's like, you'll be Christ. okay. Yeah. Just make it work. <laughs> like, <laughs> basically, one of the only people in the industry who can walk into a room with an original concept and walk out with $200 million. Right. Well, he is. On, what's that? No, you're totally right. And this is the next step in his ridiculousness of... Totally. Uh, just hit the power that he has. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 His name... He... And it's one of those weird things because, like, you know, when you watch... when, I mean, just look at a trailer... And look how movies are marketed. It's always marketed around actors. It's always marketed around the people you see in the movie. Right. Besides when it's a very specific director. Right. You know, like, people, yes, are going to see DiCaprio and Pitt in Tarantino's movie, but Tarantino is selling his movie. Right. Spike Lee is selling his movie. Nolan is selling his movie. So, like, he's one of those few people where the name of the director sells the movie better than any actor right. you can put into the movie. Right. It's like Spielberg, you know? But I don't I don't think Spielberg had I don't think this Spielberg's kind of power. Level. He definitely no. doesn't have this kind of power now. But I don't think, I think he, he did in the 90s. Right. I would say that if Spielberg if mentioned anything about movies, then there are people who were we're ready to eat that shit up. Right, that is true. But the industry was so different in the '90s that they weren't they weren't saying, "Well, Spielberg's going to release a movie in two years." It's like we know he's probably going to release a movie in two years, but they're right. not going to say it officially. And the other but, thing is, is <sighs> with with Nolan specifically, and it just makes me wonder about process. Is so many movies go through reshoots, and uh, you, you know. Um, just like lapses in production and changes and mm -hmm. sometimes you know weather destroys stuff or mm -hmm. uh, really anything could can happen um and it's it is remarkable that they have this date um 
But here, here's the thing is I just, I feel like this isn't just a, I feel like this is a, a more secretive project than normal. And it makes me think that it's a um, big, it makes me think that it's like a blockbuster of some kind. Tied into a existing property, maybe? Maybe. Uh, like, I mean, it could be like a passion art project or something, you know, like like kind of Dunkirk was. It's just like a thing that he really wanted to do that no no studio would ever just like green light. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it could be one of those, but the fact that it is so secretive makes me wonder if it's like, you know, some kind of like comic book movie or something, you know, could like be. like Green Lantern or some shit. You know what I mean? Could be. And I also get the feeling, too, that, like, even though they say July 17, 2020, like, I mean, they probably could turn around in 2020 and be like, we didn't say that. It's actually going to be released on this day. You know what I mean? Like, right. This doesn't say it says it's set for that. But, like, you know, these dates change all the time. But you're right, though. July is midsummer and summer is known for blockbusters. Big stuff. Right. Well, all of Nolan's movies have, like, come out in that time you know inception was a july movie or or it was an august movie because his stuff i mean in reality are all pretty blockbuster very blockbuster in that sense so like he can compete in that realm but but you know like it's not like we're like phantom thread that got released at the end of the year to kind of fit into the sort of you know to kind of catch that last minute oscar wave and was had a low-key you know pta sort of release right it's right Nolan's the fact that he they choose to release it during that time does mean that it's probably going to be its scale is going to be quite large, right? Comparatively, because it's got to be able to compete with like well, like I said, there's two other movies that are currently slated for that exact same date, and that's the SpongeBob movie and Bob's Burgers. So right, <laughs> um, which is I didn't know they were making a Bob's Burgers movie. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, that's a, such a great show. So. It is an excellent show. Uh, I'm about to check that out. But uh, yeah, so, you know, that's you're looking at Paramount and Fox also choosing to release some big stuff right around that time. So, um, and then that's that's not to say what else is going to start to be, you know, because like we said, like, the release dates usually come later in the process. So there's other movies that are being made that will eventually be slated for that same release date, right? So right. I'd be curious to see what kind of competes with that. Well, I think part of the positioning here i mean this is you know something that um they're probably taking a a a a a note from disney with their aggressive marvel release dates is uh the fact that other films will like bend to your will you know because no one wants to compete with like the avengers no one wants to compete with christopher nolan um so i feel like this is just like because it's him because it's his style of film like there's there's other filmmakers like now there's going to be like some like counter programming like on that day like i bet there's going to be like a there's already the kids films but i bet there's going to be like um some kind of like like a non-heady film you know like a fun easy like yeah you know like chick flick or rom-com or something you know what i mean because like all the like all the dudes and all of the like intellectual types or pseudo intellectual types will be yeah. at the Chris Nolan movie. 
Totally. Yeah. Totally. It's going to affect a lot of release dates for other people, too. Because, like, obviously, there's, like, throughout the year, there's specific times where movies are always going to be, they're always going to be fighting to be released. And smaller filmmakers and marketers are looking at those dates, and they know what those dates are, even years in advance. Um, So they're going to have to be looking at that like, shit, like, man, we kind of maybe have thought about that, but now it's like... I mean, your movie could be dead in the water if it opens up next to his thing. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Which is really unfortunate. It <clears> is. is like why this game of of trying to call out and claim, you know, future time is just kind of ridiculous in general. <laughs> like, Marvel doesn't really need to do that. Like, they I, could <laughs> say that a Marvel movie is coming out tomorrow, and they're going to have people flocking to the theaters ready right. to watch it. Like. They don't need to claim all these dates. They're doing it because they're just big dicking, and that's just what you know. Big well, dicking I, head is. I but. think a a big thing that they're um, hitting is like that Comic Con market. Like all those people want to see all these superhero films, and I th- I think it by like giving official dates, it's basically telling those fans like what to get amped up about, what to get excited for in the future. That's true. You know that's what true. I mean? And yeah. I feel like Chris Nolan is is in the same boat. Like I. At least for me, you know, um, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I think he's a wizard, (laughs) you know, filmmaker, uh, but, uh, I'm always excited for his next thing, you know, uh, that, that he's going to come out with. Cause I know other people are going to watch it too. You know, it'll be a fun movie that a bunch of people will go see. Um, it basically guarantees some form of discussion and a lot of, you know, reviewers are just conversationalists are going to come out around yeah. that release in that movie. Yeah, that's um, true. But that also kind of confirms that he's not going to have a movie this year either. You know what I right. mean? So like, that's an interesting, that's an interesting kind of play too. It's like, well, expect it in 2020, middle of 2020. So we're looking at over a year, you know, year and a couple months before the next of his next content, which Dunkirk was in 2017. Right. You know, that's a long time. That's a long time um, yeah. for someone like him, you know, to be making stuff or not making stuff. So just having that later release date definitely is like, well, he's not going to have anything this year. So, you know, hope you're right. ready for the wait type of thing. So maybe, you kind of get both of those things. Maybe Warner Brothers got sick of getting emails from random, like, inquiry <laughs> emails saying, when's Chris Nolan's film coming out? Maybe they're just like, fuck it. Like, just put a date out. We don't care. <laughs> Just pick a day. Yeah. It doesn't it's, matter. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm sure if you have any nerdy friends, I'm sure they've told you about Kingdom Hearts or something that's come out. And that's that's that was the approach that Kingdom Hearts uh, made uh, when they first announced it. They basically just announced that they were going to start making it. And everyone, like, flipped their shit. And, like, it wasn't even, like, they didn't even show, like, gameplay footage or anything. They just showed... <laughs> Like the old, tra- like an old, like clips of Kingdom Hearts two, and then said Kingdom Hearts three coming like twenty, you know, eighteen or whatever its original date was before it got pushed back a bunch. Um, but it, but that was like basically just shut people up. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, guys. Don't worry. Just fucking relax, you weirdos. Yeah, exactly. I would love to see them release this untitled Nolan movie right up next to whatever Marvel movie is going to come out at that time, though. Like, I would oh love for those two to come out at the exact same time and see kind of, like, how they compete directly right. with each other. 
I just I just want um just like weird I just want like a drop movie. Like I'm sick of the of seeing like all these like release dates and whatever. Like I want to see JJ Abrams do like a you know just drop a just drop a film in theaters. Like a know. gorilla release almost. A like. gorilla release like Cloverfield style but not Cloverfield paradox I agree. style. There should be no marketing lead up to movies mm-hmm. at all and they no should marketing. All just have to be released. Oh my god, and just drop <laughs> it in and basically say like could you like I feel like the internet would explode. Totally. You know, would be like, "Oh, this movie came out like just now." You know, like if you had no clue as to when Avengers Endgame was going to come out, you just knew it was going to be released at some point. Like, people would go crazy. I know, I and but it. the thing is, is you can't you can't see like that means no pre ticket sales. Exactly. You know? So like that's never going to happen because they like the marketing budget on these movies are so big and they need to like let everyone know that it's happening. Right. There's a lot that depends on the release date. Like. Um, you know, pre-sales became a big thing, but also the fact that like you have to prepare the infrastructure for it. So like you have to send copies of the movie to theaters to be able to use. The theaters right. have to sound check, make sure everything is good to go. There's a lot of lead up to that, and like you have to make sure that you have you know when Avengers comes out, theaters are going to be stocking extra concessions or whatever just because of the nature of of that right and like they're gonna have to have extra staff on hand so there's lots of those like logistical issues that you have to consider right around it so of course there's always going to be a release date and we're being facetious but it would be interesting if more movies just were like released right and there was no like lining up you know at midnight to go watch the first showing which is not even a thing anymore it's like a movie that gets released on Friday, people they show it on sus like seven o'clock the day before. Anyways. Right, it's like right. not even movie midnight movie madness used to be a thing, which was awesome. Yeah. It was and awesome. It's just like gone now. So I would sad. so I would I think there's a middle ground here. I think what it is is a week before it's you do a, a surprise media blitz, right? Because you like you're gonna you're gonna know what the uh, what movies are coming out in like each theater like at at a certain point you're gonna know but if you did like on monday media blitz that star wars episode 9 was coming out on thursday and tickets are available now i think that would be that'd be so cool (laughs) that would be the coolest thing ever you know what i mean be cool because you'd get the you'd get two things you would get the initial hype train which you know whenever they release something there's the initial hype train then it dies out and then there's the hype as it gets closer but right. you would just have the initial hype train and you would just ride it right into the movie. Right. There would be no downtime. Right. And you, and you, uh, here's an even bolder thing. No trailer. Tra- oh, you do you a go. trailer on Monday, you know? Yeah. And then that's, that's your ad. And then you just media blitz for the whole week. You know That'd what I'm saying? Sweet. That would be fucking cool. And then you could go see it Thursday night. There'd be so much media competition for ad space if that happened. Right, but they—I mean—they already do like media blitzes all the time. Like, if you go on your phone or it's true. any web, like go on Rotten Tomatoes, it, there's always like a bot. You know, someone's buying the ad space on Rotten Tomatoes every day. You know, it's true, um, yeah. So, but just but the fact that you'd be releasing something if like two big things came out at the same time, there'd be a huge competition for ad space, which could drive up the cost of ads. So there you go, ad agencies or advertising 
industry. You're welcome. We just <laughs> gave you more money. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and the other thing is, you know, do the Apple thing. You know, rumors. Oh, you know, there start, you go. Yeah, you there's know, always do, rumors. There's always rumors. Rumors Which, are, are unofficial, oh, but man. you can... You know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. totally... Take, take a hint from Apple. Apple knows how to do this stuff. And actually, it's so funny because, speaking of rumors, though, the the rumor is... Drive people crazy, man. <laughs> ...that Netflix is basically using rumors and whatnot to, like, market themselves. Like, so... What the fuck does that even mean? Okay, so if you look at Netflix's sort of marketing model, they don't really market. They do, like little ads here and there that just say hey this is netflix this is what we have you know and they kind of show some right. of their top shows or whatever there's like a guy sitting on a couch like just flipping through some and then shows. they'll be like watch ozark watch yeah. whatever you know okay so they do a little bit of that but they don't do as much as you would expect for from... how much money they have exactly yeah but what always happens are these articles start to come out and they're always based around something that is sort of like urban legendy about about the content that they kind of are like that's newer. So, huh. for example, like Haunting of Hill House, all these you know reports came out of people like, oh, we can't sleep because of the film because it's so scary and like it's affecting all these people and stuff. And like huh. um, the Bundy thing is the big one that started to trigger this, where people are like, well. Bundy is so hot. So now there's all this discussion around how Ted Bundy is like so attractive. Oh, I see. Right? And then Netflix kind of came out and was like, hey guys, he's not really like attractive. It's like they do this kind of little thing where they kind of like join the discussion a tiny bit, but only oh. enough to kind of make it a little more controversial. Right. But then they let it ride. And so everyone is like now watching the documentary series thinking, and because of all this discussion happening, and on top of that, which adds which which happens with all their shows right like it's like it's like this is the craziest thing that's on netflix right now like watch ozark because this crazy stuff is happening and like yada 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 and netflix sort of you could argue utilizes journalistic media to market the yeah. shows that they're producing yeah and maybe even paying those outlets to do run certain articles but to that, add, that would not surprise me at oh, all not at all not yeah. at all which keeps their marketing budget fairly small all things considered but still extremely relevant because what what people are not understanding about social media and ad, ad agencies and uh, advertising nowadays is that uh, they can't most people can't differentiate between an ad and like just like content like, yeah. like journalistic content um, and so, like, you know, you can push a product through, like, what looks like a typical article, when in reality, it's actually just an ad that mm -hmm. was created, and then um, have regular articles mixed in, and people are not able to differentiate between the two. Right. So, of course, so it's like a kind of a cheap guerrilla way to kind of be a natural, naturally integrated ad, you know, because a lot of people are against being advertised to. But when there's something being talked about, they want to be a part of the discussion. That's right. more interesting to them. What adds an interesting little twist to this is that the dude, the director of the Bundy tapes on Netflix, 
is also releasing a fictional narrative film of Ted Bundy with Zac Efron starring as Ted Bundy. And what they're sort of theorizing is that this is a sort of... Because it, it came out today that Netflix was acquiring the rights to this movie. Right. And so now what they're theorizing is that the tapes are a marketing tool for, for the, the film. film and that they're building controversy around him so that it kind of bleeds into the film and then the film gets combined with that and then they start to market to do the same oh. kind of guerrilla marketing tactics to push the film. Oh my gosh. that That's... You know, it sounds... Uh, my gut reaction is that sounds completely far-fetched because why would you sp- spend that much money? I haven't seen the show, so I don't really know like how much money went into it. But I could Quite imagine bit, Netflix making like a shitty, like, sh- like I'm putting in quotes here, show to like to build like the f- film. S- something about when you said you the uh, the casting is Zac Efron, something about that made me think that this is that's all true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Like the fact that it's Zac Efron, a very handsome. Um, you know, uh, dude, um, you know, especially when he takes his shirt off in the Uh, trailer for the movie, they have him take his shirt off. Well, there you go. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's interesting. I could, I definitely, I can buy the, the like guerrilla marketing Mm -hmm. shit because that's totally happening. (laughs) You know what I mean? Cause you see, you see the trends, you know, and you say, Hey, I think this might be an angle and for all we know they tried a thousand different angles and this is just the one that like caught on for sure you know i mean they're definitely trying like netflix is one of the most valuable companies on the planet currently i mean they are they are in multiple countries almost like every country in the whole world they're pushing all sorts of content they're creating all sorts of content i mean it's insane just how like financially valuable this company is right you don't think that they have some of the top echelon of marketers together with what is essentially an infinite budget and infinite R&D pushing different ways of how to market everything that's going on with Netflix all the time, like 24-7. Like, you know, we're talking about, like, full-on campaigns and plans that go for years that have been flushed out by people who have been in the marketing industry and who are extremely smart people. Like right. They're they're marketing from all sorts of angles. I mean just the one of the controversies that popped up um in, a, in regards to this too was like on Reddit when uh they posted there was essentially this very s- sort of innocuous post that that was uh, about Netflix's new logo change how like the intro to the the app changed a little bit where oh yeah um it kind of looks like 2001e or whatever where they right. kind of zip past some colors well the person who posted it is like this like power user on the site who's kind of had some controversy around it so like what started to happen was as people started to call out that this was likely an ad that this user was probably paid by Netflix to post and sort of use their power oh. on the site right. to push it. 
And all they said was Netflix got a new logo. Like it wasn't like I work for Netflix or whatever. It was just like trying to be this innocuous post. So like they're using posting basic posting techniques as a methodology to post ads, which is like when you look at like Reddit and like the front page, you could probably deduce that most, at least half, if not most of all the content that is posted is probably an ad just in the form of that media right that medium because they they still also have like the sponsored on reddit specifically they have like the sponsored posts yes but they do i think it maybe costs a little more to get one that doesn't say sponsored on it (laughs) exactly (laughs) and you can and then you know when you see something like man i just bought this shoe that's super cool and it's like really comfy it's like you're gonna you're just gonna post about that really right like there's a good chance that that company is probably you you know has some they probably helped develop that post to happen right in that way no yeah i think that's i think that's right yeah i'm i'm like i'm 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 i was i always get nervous you know about about new shit like this uh when i hear about it because my brain immediately goes to how is this going to be used to hurt uh, the content? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. always, you know, so like is, you know, I'm sure people have been talking about like um, marketed, uh, marketing driven like films for years, you know, and mm-hmm. like the whole idea of a sequel is a marketing driven film, you know, totally. um, a whole whole idea of like board game films or uh, ones on toys or anything like that. Yep. Like people definitely have been talking about this for years, but now we're we're in it seems like we're starting to dip into this other period of like like social marketed uh content f- films yep. where like hey Netflix, we've been working at this angle for a long time. We think we're about ready to um hit it with something. Uh, you know, we found this corner of the internet that needs a, a, a movie. Um, so let's make something that they would watch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some weird shit like that. Like here, like at the Super Bowl. Um, this past week, the I think it was Ariana Grande had a commercial that was like ASMR. It was like an ASMR commercial. Do you know what ASMR is? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. So, for the listeners, if you don't know what ASMR is, it's this thing that um, you can just Google it. It's it's a uh, it's basically like people whispering into a microphone with the gain turned up really loud. So, it's mm-hmm. just like it's kind of it's 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 kind of odd, but it feels and you can but you can like feel their like or hear their like mouth clicking and like the weird like tiny little like you know squirts of saliva in like someone's mouth yeah uh, or they'll like talking. whisper or do something that kind of like gets into your ear or something like or they'll rub stuff against the mic and like i mean it's gone so far as like where they've like there's these mics that are basically just two ears and it lets you kind of like mess with the ears on either side so like one's a left channel one's a right channel and right. it'll like 
you can run stuff across it or you can crinkle stuff close to it. It's like they just basically do all these sounds that are like really high volume and just supposed to trigger like a, a reaction in you. Right. Basically. Right. Because it is like it's like uncomfortably close. Yeah. Um, to to your ear. Um, it's like if we started whispering but turned up the volume while listening to this episode or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which we're not going to do to Which save you guys the the um, <laughs> the pain. Um, but my point is um, that there is a commercial with that stuff, and maybe Netflix will do something like an ASMR type thing because it is like a weird corner of the of the uh, market. And if we start seeing things that are like socially driven with asmr then we'll definitely like see that oh i'm sure y- you I'm know sure what i mean something close to it already yeah on on netflix on already. The, yeah probably all, yeah probably already there um but it, it is curious just how um like is is netflix gonna basically start doing what the studios are doing saying like hey we want to do like a, a ted bundy thing with the hashtag like ted bundy so handsome or something like do do we what what filmmaker are we going to get to make this or Mm -hmm. are they going here's the film uh let's um you know let's market it in this way because we think this would be interesting um or they probably probably just doing it both ways because i think they want to have the reputation of quality and depending on who the filmmaker is i'm sure they're like you know they want to have the, like a good reputation you know mm-hmm. um but for little little filmmakers i bet it is just like hey just do what we want we want to do a ted bundy thing <laughs> you know totally yeah. and it makes it hard too because like i mean the little filmmakers still stuck with traditional advertising techniques whereas all these other companies can afford to sort of do these like gorilla Right. You know, more inceptive type marketing where you think you're kind of coming up with the idea or like the idea is offered to you by someone who you don't think is an advertiser, but in reality they are. So you're more, right. ex- more receptive to the, the concept or the, the idea that you're trying to like, that they're trying to give to you. Right. Whereas like, you know, other people are just stuck with, hey, please watch my movie. You know, this is what it is and what it looks like. And this is who's involved, you know? Right. No, yeah, that makes sense. It 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 is weird because you 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 can't have one without the other. You know, like if if all marketing was was like getting on social media and and you know talking about how handsome Ted Bundy is, then the weird thing would be to just say who you're is in your movie. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I you know I kind of like the um, variety of. Uh, marketing techniques especially because we are all changing uh so rapidly um so some something else has to work like you know maybe maybe in 10 years like we like trailers at the beginning of movies like maybe we won't even have those anymore you know like maybe those will just stop working because because people like when you sit and watch a trailer in front of a movie like most of the time I think people are just painfully sitting through those. You know Which what I mean? Unfortunate, because I yeah. like trailers. I love movies. Yeah, I like seeing <laughs> the trailers. Um, but 
I don't know. Could be. Maybe Could we're because be. like you can find all that information elsewhere. All trailers are viewable online at all times. Hell, trailers, which are ads for movies, have ads in front of them. <laughs> for, I know, right? For Swiffers and shit, <laughs> you know. So it's like, here's an ad for a movie. Also, here's an ad for the ad for your ad. Sometimes the uh, ad, the trailer, which is the ad, is the ad for the trailer that you're about to watch. Right. Like, that has happened, especially on, like, YouTube and stuff where there's, like, they're just tossing ads in front of shit and there's no, like, rhyme or reason. Right. No, exactly. And And they'll, um, and, you know, in the trailer, you know, like, you, you know, Chevy's, like, paying out the ass to have, um, you know, Bumblebee be their whatever. I'm pretty totally. sure it's a Chevy. So, in the new Bumblebee movie, better damn get that Chevy logo right in that trailer, put it in front yep. of a bunch of people. Um, all the time, all the time, all the time. But you know, if you want the logo in the trailer, that's that costs more. You know. Yep. So you get a Chevy ad before your Transformers uh, trailer with a Chevy ad in it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like crazy. It's like how does that? How do people like this? And you know, it's just because of the. It's because visually, it's interesting. That's the only reason. Ads are crazy, man. But ads are what really make everything go around. Makes the world go around. Like it does. Things don't exist without ad money. That's I mean, true. That's really except just... Chris Nolan. <laughs> except, except for except it takes a lot of all ad you money. have. To, all you have to say to get a Chris Nolan movie out there is just Chris Nolan. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you have. To, there's no need for an ad. Oh my god! Uh, makes it so, so much ridiculous. more remarkable. So ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, all right, just moving along quickly. Uh, turning the uh, change the topic just a little bit. Going along with the sort of uh, long line of franchise reboots and whatever going around now. Chucky Child's Play is being rebooted now. Are um, they are they doing like just a franchise reboot, or are they trying to cinematic universe that thing? Like, uh, like what are they? It looks or, like a franchise reboot. It's franchise, yeah. Um, and it's basically uh, this new one. The doll's name is Buddy. And it's supposed to be... Sorry, I'm trying, I'm trying to make sure I get it right here. So it's supposed to be continuous based off of the original series. Oh. So it's supposed to continue off of that timeline and that continuity. Um, however, what's a little weird about this, so Child's Play began as a spec script from writer Don Mancini, um, and it was initially called Blood Buddy. And he's been involved heavily just kind of in the series in general since its inception. Um, in one way or another, he's written and directed some of the movies, um and he's a little miffed because miffed. apparently what there's it? supposed to be a sci-fi series reboot right at the same time and he is more along the lines of the sci-fi reboot because it's supposed to directly follow the last chucky movie um and so he's kind of like tripping out because he's not necessarily attached to the film he's attached to the series oh so there's sort of this dual reboot happening which is really weird um 
but it's also along the lines of you know you know they're rebooting it and rebooting halloween and they're probably going to reboot freddy and they're probably going to reboot hellraiser and they're probably going to reboot <laughs> you know jason and all the other stuff as right. time goes on um but it's kind of this weird this is a one of the first times where there's like a general conflict in the series because there's a double reboot happening across right. two separate mediums so um i'm so curious to see how it plays out though right it, yeah that is interesting it, it's weird because you know it's the first it's first public you know what i mean it's like the first public problem you know you yeah. know what i mean yeah so it's like i wonder like you know maybe they got sick of something someone got sick of something someone like, got sick we're of gonna something. go forward <laughs> yeah um so the difference here too, just real quick, uh, is that I guess instead of a demonic doll, it's supposed to be like an AI. Oh, I think. Well, that's um, cool. So doing it like, so it is like a weird like side sequel. Yeah. Is it like a spiritual sequel, or are we actually gonna like see Chucky in the movie, or are they they know. haven't revealed? I haven't revealed. It's kind of confusing, but it seems like um Wait, oh. Oh, okay. Maybe it's not part of the continuity. The series might be part of the continuity, but the film might be a separate reboot. Oh, I see. Which probably makes more sense cuz if they're going to go with sort of this AI like robot evil doll, right, then that makes sense to kind of do it separately. Right. So which is kind of dumb, I think, because, I don't know, robot dolls not as scary as a uh, demonic possessed right. by a murderous spirit doll. I think right. it's a little bit more creepy. But I, I think it can be more uncanny, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think it's... it's little... But there is, like, a weird, like... Like... It's it's hard to I guess it just depends on how they talk about it, but like a demon infiltrating a robot just isn't as um like Im- impressive to me. I don't it, know if it, it will be a demon in infiltrating a robot. That's right. the thing. Cuz like the robot evil thing is sort of a genre in and of itself where yeah. the robot turns bad and goes on a killing spree. Like that's not as scary. Right. It's a little more modern and maybe more relevant to AI in today's but, discussion but and we've seen so many films like that already ready you know like i robot like yeah exactly i robot did the opposite of that because <laughs> it was already tired by the time i robot came out exactly so they decided hey why don't we have like one of these guys be good you know and like team up with will smith um yeah yeah i'm curious we'll i'm just i'm curious you know i'm curious what what they're gonna hit it with you know what I mean? And to see what kind of comes out. Because, uh, you know, they, they have to do something different. You, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. They have to do something different. And Chucky's always been kind of an interesting character to me. So I'm curious to see how it uh, how it goes. It's probably going to be terrible. But, you know. <laughs> but uh, actually, sorry. In the spirit of the article from one of our last episodes, <laughs> it's I'm not going to say it's going gonna, it's gonna to be terrible because I don't know. I will probably. I'm interested to see how it turns out. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot this too. Zombieland Two. They're releasing Zombieland Two. That's official. Yeah, I, so I'm a fan of out. that. Uh, I'm a I'm a big Jesse Eisenberg uh, fanboy. Oh yeah, like, nice. Yeah, I do like his uh, his curly hair. 
I think you're like the only one who's ever admitted to being a Jesse Eisenberg fanboy. Well, I just I'm a fan of it. Like I've read all of his plays. Like I've read all I've uh, you know I'm just like I'm just like a fan of the guy. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I think I I also like Michael Sarah. So I think he's like my more serious Michael Sarah. You know he's yeah like they're the, kind of similar in that regard. But Michael Sarah at, at the same time he's been on Broadway just doing Broadway shit. You know for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. If you haven't, listeners already, check out the A24 episode with him, Michael Sarah, and uh, Jonah Hill. It's pretty interesting. It's great. It's a great little, little insight. Yeah, they talk about Superbad and it's and their experiences with mm-hmm. it. It's it's amazing. Totally and he goes into it. Broadway and hit what he's been doing on Broadway and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it was different than I expected. It was definitely it was pretty pretty solid. Yeah, super um, cool. Were you a Rush Hour fan at all? Um, you know, I was a, uh, Rush Hour 1 and 2 and 3 fan. Yeah, I was. (laughs) I like those movies. So, Rush Hour 4 is close to coming together, says Chris Tucker. Um, which I think would be dope, because I think Rush Hour is pretty funny, too. Yeah, I like it. Rush Hour 4 with older Jackie Chan and older Chris Tucker, I think, would be hilarious. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how that kind of comes together as time goes on. But just to know that that's sort of being talked about and could be close to being executed on is pretty cool. Can uh, I, uh, can I throw an idea out that, that, that would be funny here is I, I think Jackie Chan is, is a renowned opera singer. You can Google it. He sounds beautiful. He has a beautiful singing voice. Um, I feel like it'd be funny if they played with that in rush hour four. They totally should. You know what I mean? Like, they Oh, totally should. Like he, like if Chris, especially if Chris Tucker was reacting to him like singing opera, I think totally I think that would be should. fucking hilarious. You like know what he's I mean? just got this weird hidden skill that has never come that up is, before. Yeah, it's just coming up here <laughs> in, this, in the fourth one. Oh man, that would be a great That'd be genius. Oh my god, that would be I'd hilarious. Be, I'd be a huge fan. Speaking of Jackie Chan, though, in case of any listeners who are not familiar with, like, I mean, you can be familiar with Jackie Chan and who he is, but like actually knowing about Jackie Chan. Um, and if you've never like heard him talk about like filmmaking, you should really take the time to find some interviews with Jackie Chan and just kind of listen to how he talks about film and comedy, you know, because obviously maybe it's not obvious to people, but, uh, you know, Jackie Chan comes from the sort of the Chaplin school or like the 1920s school of slapstick comedy. And he has such a unique understanding of how things work in film. Mm-hmm. Like the one of the small examples that really stuck out to me is uh, there was a discussion he was having about Chinese film versus American film, and a specifically in editing, and specifically in editing fighting scenes. And this was contrasted with something like avengers or like you know specifically scenes with hand-to-hand combat like with black widow and stuff and jason bourne and jason bourne Mm -hmm. is a good one is like how they edit and how he specifically edits uh because jackie chan is not just an actor he's a filmmaker he's really in the the whole process how he edits his fight scenes to have more impact like literally more impact than an american scene and by the by just cutting in different spots like very you know like different seconds like like literally between the difference of two seconds of cutting right um, two frames he adds and, and frames yeah he adds so, so much more 
to the films he's in. So, for example, like Americans will either cut kind of on impact or just before impact a lot of the times because the people that they're the actors that they're working with have no combat experience at all so they have to kind of cut around and kind of work things in but also because like just american editing and and sort of hiding violence or whatever like and by doing so you lose a lot of the impact of fighting and things start to get lost like your brain has to fill in a lot of things but then you get confused and stuff like that like in the sequences and what he does is like he'll cut like out from a wide into a tight but when he does so like it'll be like someone's punching someone but he'll cut before the punch he'll cut like you'll see the punch twice almost so like you'll yeah. see it happen in the wide and when you cut in you'll see it happen one more time but just like right before the impact and what that does is adds like this level of literal impact and continuity and like you know you begin to really understand the scenes more intimately because of that so like right he understands that there's like this different level to filmmaking that gets lost because he knows how to fight and he knows how to stunt coordinate and stuff so like he can pull these things off and there's no reason to hide it because he can do it right so like the dude is like way more intelligent about filmmaking than his roles sort of seem to allude to right because he does certain roles where it's kind of like well that's just goofy jackie chan being goofy jackie chan but in right. reality he's very very thoughtful about what he's doing so like i recommend people really take the time to like look at him specifically as a filmmaker right and, like what he does because it's it's really it's fascinating really i mean he's a genius i branching off of that i want I, we talk about how like when americans cut they'll like cut on the straight on the action to match the continuity but jackie chan will back it up a few frames you know to mm-hmm. to really feel the feel the hit um but one, one thing that um some american films are doing nowadays uh specifically in um uh, fallout uh mission impossible fallout during some of those fight scenes they're uh shaving frames so they'll like when tom cruise is like going in for the punch they'll like cut out a frame so it, looks like he's punching faster but because of that like everything speeds up for like a one twelfth of a second everything suddenly just boop it just goes a pinch faster um so this thing yeah so they'll just do like these frame shavings and and there's really good techniques to hide um those uh frame shavings now um but if you do like you you could do like a digital frame in between and you can like change like your actor like it say the person receiving the punch you want them to stay the same speed you could like do that within a certain in a certain way and still have them like get hit by the punch differently so you could like mask them out and do do that way um but i guess one thing i wanted to call out with because i don't want to just take a dump on fallout because I, i even though it does do this like frame shaving thing uh, that I think works f- for the movie. Like, you know, Tom Cruise is like 80 billion years old. So, yeah, he's not as fast <laughs> as he used to be. But one thing that's remarkable about that, with which is in the spirit of Jackie Chan, um, is that Tom Cruise is doing all these ridiculous stunts and he's flying a helicopter and he's doing mm-hmm. a, a halo jump, like actually doing it. Totally. Um, v- while his co-star is not um, doing it because 
it, well, and his co-star is Henry Cavill in, in Fallout, but Henry Cavill isn't doing the same stunts that Tom Cruise is doing. Tom Cruise is riding around on a bike without a yeah. helmet on, and it's not even a safety bike because it broke down like right before they shot, so he's actually just on a motorcycle flying through traffic. Yeah. Um, so all that stuff is remarkable. Um, and where Jackie Chan with his fighting experience comes in is he says that, hey, Tom Cruise... We get to see his stupid daredevil stunts that he does. Um, but I know how to fight, and I want people to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's basically like, what is the remarkable thing about you? Let that thing shine. And the weird thing is both those people come from the Chaplin school. You know what I mean? Totally. Both of those yeah, are absolutely. different, uh, d- d- come from Chaplin of, of, in some way. Um, absolutely. Which is, which is cool. You know what I mean? I mean? You're in a visual medium. I mean, those guys were the kings of of visual comedy. I mean, that's yeah. And just being and being emotive and visual in general, like they they were the ones who made it happen. You know, looking at Keaton, some of Keaton's work is just like mind boggling. Yeah. You know, because all of like they couldn't fake any of it. You know, so yeah. like so much of it was like so real. So it's just like to see that and then to have people who know and can pull from that effectively in modern cinema is like really it's really just commendable and really respectable like it takes a very specific intelligent and high level actor to really pull those off and like say what you want about Cruz and in his personal life or whatever but as an <laughs> actor as like a person a person in a film i mean it's hard to beat it's hard to top him as a you can't because no no other actor runs as hard as he does you right. know what i mean like when even he's, dwayne johnson's gonna fake a good chunk of what he does yeah uh, like you know? when tom cruise is running he's running you know what right. i mean like he's running as fast <laughs> as he can down the street and you know if you watch like jurassic world 2 or something you can tell that like chris pratt and bryce dallas howard aren't like like running as hard or you can tell right. when it's like their digital double um but they they're not as concerned with like doing that. Like that's not what their skill is. They're not daredevils. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, they're not trained for that. Like, no, they're not trained for that. Are. That's not what they're good at. So it's just like capitalizing on what makes you the best. You know? And see, the flip side of that is like Tom Cruise is essentially un- uninsurable now too. Like <laughs> everything about him and all his industries and st- industry in- industry injuries and stuff are all paid out of pocket by the either the him or by the studio. Right. Like so, the trade off. There's a trade off. It's it's honestly if we're talking about remarkable filmmakers, I mean Jackie Chan obviously is a remarkable filmmaker, but um, the fact that uh, Tom Cruise can do the things he does in a studio film is ridiculous this day and age. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's There's, stupid. It's it's absolutely it's it's insane. it's insane. <laughs> like it, or silly. It's, just it's silly. silly. Yeah, it's <laughs> like why are they approving him to go do this stuff? Um, and it kind but, of circles back around to like how Nolan is how he is. I mean, it's just cuz Tom Cruise is is who he sells is based off his name and just who he is yeah like, that's just how it works and jackie chan i want to see see jackie chan is so, is so versatile because he can do i mean he's obviously like known for his comedies here but he's also like you know a, just a great choreographer and a great like mm-hmm. stunt fighter guy um i just want to see more of that i, I think know. people miss i think people miss the real stuff 
you know, everyone do. everyone like shits themselves when they see practical effects in a movie. But I think I think people are missing the genuine like performances they really uh, are. now because you don't so. you don't get them with with Avengers. You don't get them with like the big blockbusters. Um, now, I think that's but, why John Wick, when it came out, the original one, was so refreshing for people because it was a more, like, original... Right. I mean, it was more real in that sense. Right. And, and like, Keanu Reeves is good at that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's great at that. It's kind he of like... He works his ass off to be good at that. Yeah, he does. And it's kind of like that, um, you know, that, that Sia video, Chandelier? It's one of the most, like, top-viewed music videos on youtube or whatever has like i don't think so you haven't seen it with the girl dancing around in the apartment in the like shabby apartment well i'll I'll send it to you but it has so many views spike john's one no 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 it's sia i'll I'll send it to you she it's like the girl with uh blonde hair you you've probably seen it in pop culture but um that little girl is so good at dancing you know, and that's like what you want to see. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like capitalizing on what that little girl is good at. Oh, and I, think I think people yeah. just want to see just like actors do remarkable shit. I think it's totally. like very simple. You know what I mean? Totally. And like what makes them unique. We're definitely we're missing the in camera unique what made what made filmmaking crazy in the 20s and you know even up through like the 60s right we're missing that we're losing that and i think there's a huge respect for people who could put something in front of the camera and actually record something that's real yes you know yeah and it real on any level you know yeah um we're we're going to be talking about minding the gap uh next week next episode um because we didn't get to it today but that movie is so real on an emotional level mm-hmm. um and that's what makes it like fascinating you Absolutely. know i agree yeah yeah um 100 agree with that because th- and that's why i think that movie found so much success too is because it came out of nowhere with its like reality like holy shit like they're willing to talk about all this like you know this real stuff that a lot of people can connect with and it was a story that no one really looked at was like how could you make this a compelling story right but then it's real it just is it It just just is is. it's just life yeah like and i think there's so many people who are afraid to tell a story about a uh a uh abuser of some kind you know like that's like a big no-no and this person was like no no no, let's get to know these people (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) and it it's it's so it it just it just reminds people that you don't you don't have to be perfect. You know what I mean? I don't know. Absolutely. It's such a beautiful movie. We'll talk about it more. It is. We'll we'll definitely get more in depth into it um, on the next episode when Byron's back. Um, so you we'll you could say that. this is an ad for our next episode. It's <laughs> <laughs> our ad for our for the episode. Exactly. Uh, it's been one long ad leading all the way up to this. You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, so check out the next episode, um, which will be happening next week uh, with Minding the Gap and the Death of Stalin. Yeah. Byron will be back. Byron will be back. He is cleaning a a flood, a great flood, the great Western Washington flood (laughs) of 2019. 
Yeah. Uh, three floors of flooding, yeah. apparently, is <laughs> what happened. So, so uh, yeah. So, Wish yeah. Byron well. Keep him in your thoughts. Right. Send him uh, send him a little note to our email. You know. Yeah. Give give him go. some love. He needs it. He get or send him a blanket or some hands and towels. <laughs> send him a towel. <laughs> a lot of go. towels. <laughs> get a get a ten pack of towels. Uh, or something. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right, thanks.